Welcome to Pottery Visited, episode 60. Woo! We are watching the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban movie together. Yeah, so join us for our little Harry Potter movie slumber party. Fun times. Indeed. I'm Tori. And I'm Shay. And this is Nimbus. The best mascot. <laughs> She's here. I remember when this came out, I saw this in theaters, like, I feel like five times. Like, I remember being super excited about it because this is the first book I read. And I read it just before, I finished it just before the movie came out because I read it in the fourth grade. Okay. And it came out that summer and I had just finished the book. So, very excited about that. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw it. I remember having a VHS of it. Yep, so, so did I. <laughs> Back in the day, because we're old. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always see that this movie is like the first one with a new director. So, it's very like stylized and... Obviously, the, uh, the first two were filmed back to back, so they seem kind of like in the same realm with Chris Columbus very much involved. Mm -hmm. And this is the first one that like the kids look so much older and everything's all like kind of different because Alfonso had different style for the series. There's so. definitely a huge noticeable Difference, increase yeah. in their age. And yes. also just in the darkness, like the physical yeah. darkness of this film. It's like he put sunglasses in front of the camera for film. Yeah. He's like, let's make it dark. I always find that this is going to be where people either love it or they hate it. It because I feel like Prisoner of Azkaban is a very loved book because of like the murder backstory and that's just kind of like not really a part of the movie. Yeah, they kind of don't add a lot of the things that mm -hmm. give it the flavor and the depth of time. So this opening scene uh, where Harry's doing magic, obviously it's really fun. He's in his room and he's Fancy. doing Lumos like six times because he can't do Lumos oh, yeah, well you pause it because... It'll pick up. But yeah, so Harry's doing Lumo. So, you know, it's a fun opening scene back to Harry and funny of Uncle Vernon shenanigans. But I was thinking that, like, I'm pretty sure in this movie, Harry gets, like, a letter being like, you're going to be expelled from Hogwarts because you wore magic. But the thing is, like, he was doing magic here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things, like, the director added it stylistically, like, oh, let's remind people it's a movie about magic yeah. by having the main character doing a cute little spell in his room. But... Then it immediately progresses into the plot, which yeah. is, I did magic outside of school, my life is over. And uh, so adding something like this for flavor yeah. that is contradictory to the plot is probably not the best idea a person has ever had. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for the novel, but it is like a fun little opening into Harry Potter. And obviously they skip the whole kind of Aunt Marge bit and it immediately jumps into Aunt Marge is here and she's awful. <laughs> yeah, we don't get as much of the Aunt Marge backstory. We yeah. just get the Aunt Marge experience. Mm -hmm. If Harry was smart, instead mm -hmm. of saying Uncle Vernon needs you to sign this form and making it obvious it's something that he like wants, mm -hmm. he should have made it seem like it was a bad thing. Like, oh, once you're in third year, the punishments at Hogwarts get more <laughs> severe and your parents need to consent to be put in through the more advanced punishments like torture, light torture or something. Yeah. And sort of, he should have slithered it and gotten them to sign it by thinking it was a bad thing. He absolutely Gryffindored himself by mm -hmm. making it so obvious that getting it signed was a desirable I thing. I still think he just should have forged the signature. How would they know? Literally no one would know. <laughs> Gryffindors. This is like the kind of like the last time we get like the Dursleys really in the movies. Because, like, we get this... It's a pretty short time with the Dursleys. Yeah. And they skip it completely in, like, 
Goblet of Fire, Order of the Phoenix. And it's not really to like the end where they're kind of like thrown in there. Yeah, you absolutely get a sm- just like the tiniest smidge of mostly Dudley in mm-hmm. the Goblet of Fire, but this really is the last time that Harry's home life has the sort of patterns and normalcy that he was used to before mm-hmm. the magic world. Once you just the movies don't really focus on the Dursleys because there's too much other stuff to yeah. cover. So they just kind of like Harry's here. They're just like, remember, he is grotesquely abused at home. Okay, great. Back to magic. Yeah. This woman should not be giving her dog alcohol. It is incredibly bad for your dog. Listeners, my dog would never. And she's supposed to be like a dog breeder or something. Yeah. She's been your dog breed. He was an heiress. He didn't need to work. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I get that they don't want to say that he... I mean, I think intentionally the Dursley family were not made aware that mm-hmm. Harry's family had money because I think anyone yeah. with decent brain knew that they would do anything they could to get their grubby little mitts on it. Yeah. But I do think they should have, like, I don't know, had a fake job Harry could tell people his parents mm-hmm. had if anyone asks. Yeah. You know, like just a... Like at the time Harry died, like they were working like full time for the order, but like James in general just didn't need to work because his family was like... Independently wealthy. Well, yeah. Work for fun and not yeah. for cash. But like they yeah. could have just had like a muggle lie, like, oh, he was an insurance salesman. Everyone would be like, ah, cool. Um, this. Yeah. This, this, I, I love the cameras going, going in to show like his anger and then it goes into like how like, the glass breaks and stuff like it's just such a quick turnaround because Harry just like it's like like that he's just like the anger like really gets to him mm-hmm. I wonder how they did the effect mm-hmm. of breaking the glass it's probably a prop one so yeah, she can yeah, just it's yeah. made to be squished and yeah. shatter yeah and then it's not sharp it's like plastic Soft yeah they plastic. have like they have like breakaway glasses and stuff usually for a lot for a lot of like prop movies for like it, you, they break really easily but it won't like hurt Okay. The Harry Potter films did a lot of like practical effects, which I really liked. Her referring to Lily as a bitch. Yeah, that's. And Patini's just like there. <laughs> horrendous. But also, it's shocking that the movie's allowed to have the. Yeah, word this bitch. is like I'm pretty sure this is like either G or P. It's probably PG. So you can but... have like one swear word per movie. Yeah, but I guess it, because it was in reference to dog breeding, is probably how they got away with it. Because it's also in the book too. It is in reference to dog breeding, but it, the connotation is yeah. clear. Yeah, well, I guess kids won't pick up on that. But I remember this being like a swear in the movie, and we were just kind of like, oh my. Yeah. God, it's a swear. Because you're like 10. <laughs> I feel like I knew the word bitch as an insult before I knew it was a term used for female dogs. I feel like the first time I heard it, I was like, they're just cussing. Yeah. They're just dropping swears. Drawing the B word. But yeah. I actually kind of like how they did like the effects of like how she swells up and it starts very slowly in like a finger and it goes there. Because I think when I imagined it, she just kind of blew, blew up like a balloon. Inflated quickly rather than Yeah, like, she just became inflated. Yeah, but like the way they do, it's very stylized where it's like she start, it starts off being like, huh, what's going on? Yeah. It's and it's so, kind of played for like a gag, which is fun. Yeah. It's not too traumatizing. Yeah. As the lights are just like flickering in the background. My apartment when I turn the microwave on. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot the cake where the beads keep flying off and they keep hitting Dudley in the face. The buttons hitting yeah. the cuckoo clock. Yeah, it's also interesting that in the book she just floats to the ceiling, but here she's just leaving, leaving the country. Bye! How do you think they filmed that? Is there a balloon mm-hmm. that they have clothes on? that's helium filled and then they do the close-ups with Marge like in like a harness I don't know because I feel like it's hard to say because like you know the Harry Potter films did a lot of like practical and like CGI stuff like together like how they all did all the Quidditch scenes I'm not really sure how they filmed this but I like to think there's mm-hmm. balloons involved yeah 
interesting to see how this is filmed. Kind of gaggy, like it's kind of like a funny thing. Yeah. When in the book, it's just very like emotionally charged moment. Yes, yeah, like trauma. yeah, they're like having all like it, it, this is played as yeah. kind of goofy, but meanwhile Harry's like having like you know like an existential crisis. Yeah. Upstairs. This is a beautiful like mm-hmm. freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Look at this. Deadly looking at the TV, eating his sandwich, completely yeah. oblivious to serious things because he's an idiot. His father on his knees in the yard yeah. crying. <laughs> his mother holding a handkerchief. Bye the bye. dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really great cinematography in this movie. Yeah, and you know Harry just like having they didn't I don't think quite have the panic Harry has in the book where he thinks he's a fugitive yeah he's just, he's just having a history yeah having like a little teenage angst moment on this iconic photo of James and Lily dancing in the Lee but he has by his bedside table where they look like they're 45 years old <laughs> and not 21 yeah <laughs> I think it's really funny that Stan Shenpike needs a cue card to know his mm-hmm. lines to greet people who are about to go on the bus. Like, it's like three sentences, and he likely says it for every single guest yeah. multiple times a night, and yet he has to read it word for word off a cue card. It's just mm-hmm. minimal effort. <laughs> the way bus looks just like a how I imagined it would look. Yeah, I, I love the stairs. I love... Mm-hmm. I love that the outside is kind of subtle enough that you're like, okay, it's just a bus. With an extra level. But at the same time, it's just slightly extra wonky. Mm. Is this the part you hated about the, like, what else, all the beds? <laughs> Being in a bed is a very, like, personal, relaxing, like, the idea that you would do that in You're vulnerable is so when, like, stressful. you're in your bed. It's so stressful. I could not be relaxed enough to lie down at all in a public place. Like a I couldn't like even that. sleep on the train here because it felt weird with people around. Yeah, I feel like the only <laughs> way I could sleep on a bus or a train is if it had, like, private sleeper cars. Mm-hmm. And this is not that. It's yeah. like, welcome to an open space with strangers. Hop on into bed. Yeah. I feel like this is what my driving would be like. <laughs> Reasons why we don't drive. Yeah, I would drive like that. But also, I would have thrown up for sure right now. I love how they kind of like really kind of took the night bus chapter because mostly it was just Harry's it's kind of an internal chapter where Harry's kind of like freaking out that he's a fugitive but to be arrested but here Harry's just like on this like crazy train and like being like mm-hmm. thrown around and it's really kind of goofy and like kind of a bit lighthearted. yeah they took a very very heavy mm-hmm. internal monologue scene and they're like well we're not gonna have Harry sit there and monologue some dialogue yeah so they decided to just Go heavy on the camp and light yeah. on the emotional. This movie urban. is pretty campy. Yeah, as the Harry Potter movies go. It does really make me think of like this is what they could have used to make like a ride at like a Wizarding World. Yeah. Like this is the ride. This is like you're gonna throw up, but it's canon, so it's <laughs> but fine. it's canon. <laughs> This is like peak comedy when I was a kid. <laughs> Waiting for the old yeah. lady to cross the street. Oh, so I think it's a bit weird for mm-hmm. the stranger on the bus to assume a 13-year-old child would know who Sirius Black is. This is the last time we see, like, Cornelius Fudge kind of nice guy. Yeah, playing the political game because yeah. Harry Potter is a well-liked public figure. Mm-hmm. It's such classic politics, too. Yeah. It's like when we want Harry on our side and we want to be able to manipulate him and be in his good books. Oh, no, just traumatizing a muggle you potentially know, forever flurry. and doing damage and risking her being seen while blown up by a bunch of other muggles. Child like wonder. But like a minor spell that hurts no one and is seen by minimal people, that's trouble. Also, defending yourself. Politics. I really hate that they did not include in the film mm-hmm. Harry's like whole week of fun staying by himself. That was really fun to read. Cauldron. It was such a fun like 
thing as a child to read being like, what would I do if I was staying a hotel by myself for a week? And like- No parent supervision. He spends every day at the ice cream parlor. And like, that is also what I would do. And I just think that that's such a cute, fun and kooky mm-hmm. element of the book. And I'm a little I sad. I feel like it's just more timing because- that's fun to read, but it doesn't do much for the plot. So yeah, but it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Does the hotel just have like a a spare office in case dignitaries stop by to yell at children? I guess so. Or not yell at children? I guess. Oh, the monster book of monsters. What was Hagrid thinking? He wasn't thinking. That's the thing, Hagrid. I do love this in the movie because it kind of establishes what I imagined this was going to be like. Because yeah. it's very, like, an offhanded thing in the, the books. But here it's like this whole sequence of this crazy monster book. They definitely kind of play it as a jump scare. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's played scarier in the movie, I think, than I interpreted it in the books. Mm-hmm. And, like, Harry's just like... Ah, oh, yes, my friends uh, are fighting My friends again. are fighting. Such happy, much wild. I miss this. <laughs> the Weasleys in Egypt. The one and only Charlie Weasley sighting we will ever yeah. have. It's such a shame. Because he's so interesting. And also, yeah. it, it feels rude to leave out one Weasley. Yeah. Do we think the Weasleys going to Egypt was a conspiracy of some sort? Do we think they genuinely won a contest innocently? Or do you think that it was in some way rigged? Like some people think Mm. Bill Weasley used his contacts to get Mm. his family to win. Or other people think they gave them like the money as a a thank you for keeping an eye on Harry. Interesting. Let us know what you think. In the comments. On Spotify. You can eh? do that now. <laughs> I love this scene in the League of College where you just see all like the chaos with the Weasleys coming in, the people getting their tea served by a floating tea key cup. That's like our dream. Bring me a kettle of tea. Yeah, this is this is what we need. He's like, ah. Harry's always in danger. That's why right here he's so relaxed here. He's just like, what do you mean? I'm always in danger. <laughs> What's new? I like how like they have like these really intimate shots and everything. Like everything's very stylized. I just like the aesthetic. I think of the third movie. Like I know mm. some people don't like it because it's really stylized and it's very starkly different from the previous and movies. Dark. It's just visually very yeah. dark. Well, I think it's like more a way of showing that this film is a lot darker than the previous two. Yeah, I think this whole oh no, Ron almost forgot his rat bit is kooky, seeing as how the entire movie mm-hmm. would have been different if Ron yeah. had forgotten his rat. I think they're probably bringing Scabbers more into the forefront because in the first two movies he's just kind of there. Don't care or pay attention. He's not scabbers. really important, but here we're like. The rat, Scabbers. Remember Scabbers? We were looking up some like facts about Professor of Azkaban while we were going to watch this. And we didn't have to look them up. We knew these all by heart. Yeah, of we course. are very smart. But uh, very smart. when Alfonso Cuaron was establishing kind of this rain scene and the Dementors coming in, he was telling them he wanted the rain to turn into ice. And the, uh, the, sto- the creative team creative team or storyboard artist the storyboard artist misheard him because of his accent so they heard eyes instead of ice so they storyboarded eyes raining from the sky (laughs) just scarier than anything that happens all in this franchise I really appreciated it because I work in animation so storyboard stuff it's always really chaotic and funny the things that don't make it into a show you wouldn't believe. Like eyes falling on the yes. breath. Dementors are nothing once you've been through a yeah. swarm of I eyes. I the eyes raining from the sky would have bumped up the rating to like... NC-17. Yeah. 
It's now a horror movie. See, this is a realistic train moment. Randomly yeah. stopping in the middle of nowhere. No yeah. voice coming over the overhead speakers telling you why. This is train. Or if it does, it's very like... Or in my case, yeah. French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we could have had raining eyes. <laughs> I can't imagine it without eyes now. <laughs> Someone needs to, to like... Photoshop yeah, it. do it. <laughs> Some lines do like the effect of like the fog and like their breath. We can see the mm-hmm. see like the air and like the ice and just like the overall like unpleasantness of things being kind of cold, frosty. Rupert Grint's eyebrow acting is mm-hmm. amazing. Like his eyebrows are so expressive. Yeah. And like they themselves have so many emotions. Like his eyebrows smize in a way Tyra Banks yeah. could only dream. Yeah. We need Rupert Grint walking the runway. <laughs> and here we have like the first Dementor appearance the way it's cloak floats in the scene is mm-hmm. very that ghoul decoration I got at the dollar store though <laughs> but I do feel like this movie did kind of nail like the way the Dementors look yeah. and I kind of like that it looks realistic it looks like something from your nightmares and I feel like in the later like movies like or the Phoenix where it's more CGI it, it doesn't more, look as real yeah it definitely looks like it was put in there they give it a more humanoid like yeah. facial features later on and I think that's yeah. the wrong choice oh really this I'm basically just a sheet hanging over what Nothing. do you think about the way that it shows kind of like the soul or I guess your happiness being sucked out of you I uh I don't love it, but I do think it's a really hard thing to portray on film. Do we think Remus Lupin was sleeping up until the moment he jumps up, or do we think he was, like, waiting to see if any of the kids could handle a mentor? Because, like, he jumps up and he's ready to go real quick. I do feel like this is one of the times where Harry has, like, actually book Harry here. Hi, I'm a strange man on a train. Would you like some chocolate? I mean, as a kid, who would say no chocolate? From a stranger? Tori, how did your mother raise you? Better than this, I promise. <laughs> he's tousled, but he's formal. Yeah. I love that for Lupin. He's like, he's, he respects the position he's getting. Mm-hmm. He's got the ties. Got the yeah, I feel like they did good with the, the way they dress Lupin. Like, mm-hmm. he looks very academic, um, academia, yeah. but it's very shabby, but Frazzled. still trying to look yeah. like he's trying to be as professional as he can be. It's like the he way has one good three-piece suit, so he wore yeah. it, but it's well-worn because he only has the one. Yeah, and his hair is just a bit, like, sparse and stuff, so he has the look of, like, just someone who's kind of a bit ill. Yeah. And here's our offer at first part where we have more kind of transitional places to get you from scene to scene, because I feel like the first two movies were very much, like, cut, cut, cut. Like, yeah. they did have transition stuff for, like, seasons, mm-hmm. but this is kind of where it's more stylized, where, like, we have the transition from the carriages to the school with the music to tie into the Great Hall. Yeah. And then the first two movies, because they were, think, so young of actors, it was more just, like, you're cutting, mm-hmm. everything's just very focused on your faces. It's very interesting, too, that you hear the song from the yeah. choir when they're outside in the carriages, and then it fades into the choir singing yeah. smoothly in the hall. It's a very cinematic thing and not a logical thing because obviously they're in the characters. They're not in there singing yet. But it, it's very stylistically smooth. And also I love the big fat toads. I don't know why yeah, they're apparently, holding uh, Alfonso Cuaron wanted a choir. So he just kind of like pitched the idea to John Williams. And John Williams is like, ah, okay. Whose idea is with the giant toads? Because I'm assuming Alfonso's. Love the giant toads. Uh, we have a new double dart. Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon, the... I prefer the original Liverpool. Obviously, yeah, it wasn't like... a stylistic choice they made. Uh, well, yeah, like, yeah, past. past. So, 
Because I feel like Richard Harris, he just kind of embodied the spirit of Dumbledore. And I think it's also nice because I feel like with Michael Gambon, when he's kind of being manipulated, like it feels like he's kind of an like like a evil kind of Dumbledore. Yeah. But with Richard Harris, he feels like a grandfatherly. And I think that's what Dumbledore yeah. is. He's like a nice old man, he's but like- underneath... He has bad intentions. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, the original Dumbledore was Richard Harris. Mm. He he was warm and he was grandfatherly, but I also trusted him more in his kooky moments. Like, yeah. in the, I'm a kooky wizard with my bedazzled robes. Like, I trusted it more from him. Mm-hmm. And so it made it easier for me to understand how Harry and everyone sort of sees him in a particular light because he really yeah. embodied that light. This one, this Dumbledore is definitely... Less trustworthy. Yeah, it's a flair for the dramatics and stuff, and he has some Dumbledore-isms, but I think because we had Richard Harris first, it's kind of a bit jarring. Yeah. But I do feel like Michael Gambit did the best of what he could, because he came in kind of, like, as a replacement. Yeah, I also think that, like, there was something very nice about the way Richard Harris... Harris my list came out that uh, seems very sort of unassuming like he was so old as an mm-hmm. actor that you could hear his voice going hoarse when he spoke sort of loudly in the great hall and I think that spoke so much to Dumbledore as a character because he very rarely has to speak that loudly because he's so valued he can talk quietly and people will mm-hmm. listen more they intently him, yeah. and I feel like that's a big part in like setting the scene and the tone for Dumbledore especially in these big scenes and this Dumbledore seems like he projects more frequently Mm-hmm. And it makes it seem like people don't lean in and listen as much, kind of. It's like a subtle thing, but I think that's a part of it. Yeah. Also, a note on the acting. I, I've read that they reached out to the incomparable Sir Ian McKellen to consider playing the role of Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, he was Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings and all things based on The Lord of the Rings afterwards that mm-hmm. had Gandalf. Um, and... He he said no for a number of reasons. One being he'd already played an old wizard and he mm-hmm. played the superior old wizard. So he'd done it before. But also he knew that the actor Richard Harris, the original Dumbledore, did not like him, did not think he was good. And he thought it would be disrespectful to take over a role mm-hmm. and do it his way, knowing the original actor wouldn't like it. And I think that's very respectful. Yeah. Shout out to Sir Ian McKellen. Lupin. He seems very modest here. Yeah. His hands are clenched together. He seems a bit nervous, but also grateful. What do we think about Draco's new look? He doesn't have the slick back hair anymore. I love the not a slick back hair because it seems more of his age. I yeah. hate how yellow they dyed his hair this year. Like, it was whiter in yeah. the earlier films, and it's very yellow in this film. Yeah. I do like that he said Grumpy Plank oh, retired yeah. to spend time with their remaining, remaining limbs. limbs. What do we also think about Flitwick's makeover in this movie? <laughs> yeah, every, the, the professors all got a little bit younger this year. Yeah. <laughs> a stylistic choice. I wonder if... They needed to make Flitwick look younger in this film because now Dumbledore looks so much younger and they wanted to keep the mm. concept that the old wise wizard was Dumbledore. That makes so they sense. needed to sort of age down Flitwick. So here you have kind of like the tracking shots that Alfonso is known for where he wants mm-hmm. to show like the hall from the great hall to the staircase to the entrance to the common room. I love the common room shots. to the dormitory. And the moving staircase, which <laughs> is essential to me and lacking in later films. This is also a new fat lady too. We're like kind of adding more like the the zany humor. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had to add more of the humor in because this is kind of a dark book. Yeah. So when they can do little gags, they do. Also, like like the boys and how they have like them hang out more because 
I don't feel like you see much of like Dean, Neville, and uh, Seamus in the first two when they're not really relevant to the plot it's mainly the trio but here we have like the boys going up to their dorm and they're just like messing around being like silly together now that they've established the trio and like we know that they're the core friendship group i feel like if they had too many shots of like heron around just with other boys and the other films Mm -hmm. it would sort of risk people wondering like what is the core friendship group are these the friends are these the buddies that are going to go on the adventures so they had to like really establish that so now now they they can afford people to have like little side characters wider friendship groups and like other lower level friends is that well i think it's just knowing who the other gryffindors are so we know who dean seamus and neville are and there's just more of them kind of being around it's more yeah <laughs> yeah this boys slumber party scene iconic i but. feel like i've never been to a yeah, all boys yeah slumber party. <laughs> what do boys do at sleepovers and is it this harry getting the train candy is very cute and they do a pillow fight train. seems like the best sleepover ever this scene was written by men they're like what do girls do at sleepovers they eat things they have sexy pillow fights okay so boys must also have pillow yeah. fights but not sexy ones i love this establishing shot of the dementors with the outside of like hogwarts yeah it's like desktop and it's all, background yeah and we open up to another transitional shot i feel like i have that powerpoint transition that they just did yes. it's like a v that lightens yeah i love this bridge i love that we're getting the shots of this bridge yeah especially because it becomes interesting in alfonso really wanted to establish kind of like the grounds and like hot the map of Hogwarts basically so he does a lot of like shots for showing where things lead mm-hmm. oh, so you look. can kind of follow it around the whomping willow mm-hmm. whomping willow shot a familiar friend uh, so I've, done, I've learned things about the actors as time passes and I've yeah. learned things and Emma Thompson the actress who plays Sybil Trelawney the wonderful beloved actress who plays Sybil Trelawney was married to the actor who plays Gilderoy Lockhart <laughs> And they broke up. And you know who Gilderoy Lockhart dated right after? Bellatrix Lestrange. Helena Bowman Carter. I feel like the British actor sphere is so small. Yeah, and they're all in this they're all in this (laughs) movie franchise. If you haven't been in this, you're disappointing. I do feel like Emma Thompson was like the best Sybil Trelawney guest. Book. Yeah, she just She's looks how she so was described. Good at acting. <laughs> and it's fun to see someone who's played some serious roles be yeah. kooky. Yeah. I also love the subtle transition where we see Harry and Ron by themselves, and then it pans back, and Hermione's there all of a sudden. So it's kind of hinting that like Hermione's not there than she is. Yeah. Hermione just like casually gaslighting Ron. Yeah. <laughs> gatekeep gaslight girl boss <laughs> <laughs> so one thing here is that Alfonso Cuaron is kind of the one that started the street clothes kind of thing for street the movies, style. which I'm not really a fan of I prefer when they're in their uniforms and in wizard kind of wear but he did say that he wanted the kids to kind of customize their uniform and wear it how they want it because that's what it's like in real school to kind of show their personalities which I do like like how Ron's not wearing his cloak and his tie is very loose someone in the background at one point has their tie around their head yeah like they're being absolute <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. feel like as someone who went to like public school yeah, we in Canada uniforms. uniforms weren't a thing so for us it feels very sort of like unique and themey and so it's really enjoyable for us to see them all mm-hmm. buttoned up in cloaks and ties it just like it adds to like the I guess dark academia is the vibe. Yeah. But also the witchiness of it. And it gets a little disappointing when we see them in just like a trousers and a t-shirt and stuff. It's just... 
Yeah, because I feel like the first two films, they're majority in their uniforms. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of feel like where it kind of stops, where they only wear their school uniforms when they're in class settings. And Mm -hmm. generally, they're just not in their uniforms. Yeah. And I think that's annoying. I feel like I would just keep it on all day because it doesn't look terribly uncomfortable. Yeah, apparently with the street clothes, it was to show their personalities. And then Hermione goes with a pink zipper up hoodie. It's not really a personality piece. I don't think Hermione would wear clothes to show her personality. I think Hermione just wears clothes to wear clothes. I think it's interesting that they get to vibe up there. Like, I did know some people who went to schools with uniforms, Mm -hmm. and it was very, like, how short can you roll up your skirt, ladies? And, like, how... school uniforms. Can you wear a choker or a necklace? because that'll show up under your collared shirt like a vibe like trying to have an aesthetic when it one is sort of being forced on you I just it's a particularly heartbreaking when you remember that like at first year they wore hats yeah and they don't establish that <laughs> never mind the hats they're not even in their cloaks at the time now I do love the attitude Hagrid has when he talks to Draco like in the way Draco wears his unit where we can tell like he's not just wearing the shirt yeah. the tie and the cloak he's also wearing the sweater vest yeah <laughs> Yeah, and Matthew Lewis was wearing, like, a fat suit, I think, for most of, like, these earlier films because he lost a lot of weight during puberty, so mm. got really tall. Like, sorry, sir, you're not allowed to start yeah. getting handsome. We'll have yeah. to... It's such, like, reminiscent of school with everyone just, like, in a circle. There are only people that are arguing, mm-hmm. just waiting for a fight to break out. Some of them look really kooky in the way they've customized their uniforms, and I think they did it just because someone told them to be unique, and they well, ran I mean, out it was, of like, they were given, they were ways. given, like, uh, I guess... A directive. Yeah, they were given, like, freedom, and as a child back you're kind of used to being told what to yeah. do but so. some of them have gone too far i think and it looks ridiculous <laughs> they're like okay what do i, I do it, to look unique it, it, it works for else. this scene though because hagrid's a very lax teacher and yeah. shows that he doesn't really have control of the classroom mm. so like they're just doing whatever but like they're not like this with when goggles teaching or even snape's teaching mm-hmm. this is why we think harry's an idiot everyone's <laughs> 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 pushing him for I think it's also that Daniel Radcliffe's always the one that's acting with these CG creatures, and it's usually, like, something on a stick. Tense ball. Yeah. Like, with Dobby and, like, with this. Like, it's just something so he knows where to look. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he does a good job. He does. I was talking about this last night at Shana's birthday, but, um, um, Daniel Radcliffe? Respect. The only man I respect. I feel like this is the time where they were like, we need to establish Ron and Hermione having feelings for each other, because the They're first two movies were kind of, like... I totally believed in the first two yeah. movies that this was like the way she hugs Harry after yeah. being petrified and just sort of shakes hands with Ron mm-hmm. is very like I see this one differently. That's uh, not a good choice on Hagrid's part. He's really lucky he didn't kill Harry Potter. If Harry Potter could have died. Then what happens? Mm-hmm. Neville has to mm-hmm. <laughs> destroy the One Ring. Neville has to destroy the One Ring if Harry does. We have more established and, and the cup over, and the book and my over Hogwarts. Diadem. I remember I watched this during like the first lockdown, and I was like, "Man, to be outside in the air, <laughs> flying around a castle over a beautiful lake." Yeah, I feel like this one part where Harry's like, like going like woohoo over the water. This is very Harry book Harry. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. The fact that he takes his hands off, but yeah, at all is incredible. It's crazy. There's no way Harry Potter has ever ridden a horse, and I think that is the closest comparison. <laughs> this is his first time on a horse. It's flying over water. There's a giant squid in there. He should he should not be this main character energy about it. Yeah. 
I just think it's very hairy because like, yeah, he's just doing a typical like boy thing like, no hands. And then when he almost falls, he's like, oh. <laughs> oh wait, hands, hands. Yeah. <laughs> and I love in typical like mean boy fashion, everyone's like congratulating Harry and attentions on Harry and Drake is like, you know what? Screw this. But puts his arm up to defend against a giant creature. Only oh got a Malfoy. Draco's not smart. I do like the the, the costuming here where Harry and Ron are like not wearing the robes to so, like tires loose and Hermione's like full on uniform. She's in the cardigan. Yeah. I like how many versions there are. Not even of how they've styled them, but like there's the cardigan, there's the sweater vest, yeah. there's well, I feel like a lot of Catholic schools kinda of have that where they have like cardigans and like different kind of polos. Mm-hmm. For context, most schools that are private or have uniforms in Canada are like Catholic schools. Yeah. The Catholic school has a monopoly. Love, love. Love Lupin situation, yeah. and I love this class. shot in the slightly morphed mirror of the class. <laughs> I think that's cinematographically beautiful. Yeah. So David Lewis plays Lupin, and I remember there being some like talks about like how a lot of people thought about like Wolfstar, which Sirius and Remus, that's like their ship name, being a thing because of this movie. And apparently, Alfonso told Alfonso the director, yeah, told. Lewis to play uh, Lupin. He said Lupin's gay, and so he played him as a gay man, a gay man for like three movies, starting here until uh, I guess. And apparently, Alfonso did this without telling Argus the author. Hilarious. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's a gay man. But this is my headcanon. Act it. He's just, I respect that. <laughs> I'm assuming, like, he, I don't know if Alfonso really read the books and stuff before all of this, mm-hmm. so he was just kind of like, you know, he. In my version of Harry Potter, this guy's gay. And this is my version, so suck like, it. Okay. <laughs> but I, I find it funny because I feel like the author just didn't like the idea of... I don't know if it's because they were gay or because um, it was people she didn't want to be gay because she did say that Dumbledore is gay after the series was already that's done. Like but that's kind of like a cop-out. But like, I know like... Wolfstar was a really big thing like like really early on in the series like there was a lot of like fan fiction and stuff and people always have have a conspiracy that she made Lupin and Tonks get together because she wanted to like end squash the whole yeah, squash that ship and like that kind of like put an end to being yeah. potentially canon but, but bisexuality exists yeah. so technically if the actor played the character as being interested in men in the mm-hmm. early movies and then he marries a woman he could just be bisexual yeah. and as a bisexual welcome Lupin mm-hmm. oh yeah also his wife's name is Hermione which I didn't know until just now <laughs> and that's shocking because Tori over here is the only shipper of James Potter and Minerva McGonagall so it kind of feels like Hermione and Lupin is the kind of thing she might be on board for Get Hermione with her hair up in a bun yeah with a pencil in it too. I feel like That's Alfonso impressive. gave the kids more autonomy on like things they could do for their character like we know like the long told like essay story which Shay is so sick of we get it but they like, write essays their characters like, are similar to themselves I feel like by this time they're not really they're 15 ish I think most of them are around 15 so like this is when they're kind of taking acting more seriously before when they're kids they're just kids doing maybe like a fun job mm-hmm. but this is like when they're, they're considering like this is going to be my job for like my life mm-hmm. I'm going to go into this so they're getting more kind of autonomy over like what they do how they dress like just more yeah. about their characters and stuff which is kind of cool to see I also love Hermione she seems to have like rolled her hair up in the pencil and then stuck it in to make a bun and I remember the 
using a pencil in your hair being like very not manic pixie dream girl but it was very much like an archetype of like I'm the cute smart girl who's pretty but doesn't have to try and like and doing sticking your hair up with a pencil is very like I'm smart but everything I do is glamorous and And that's how they kind of like this is the movie that kind of characterizes Hermione as like also the smart girl but also just like the brave girl and also every girl and And also she knows the most about the wizarding world despite just (laughs) learning about it two years ago and she knows everything and she does everything and she is that girl and it's just like no girl is everything all at once and Hermione she is so many has things and no she, flaws it's so belittling of the actual <laughs> traits of Hermione that are very impressive to make her excellent at everything like it really dehumanizes her and it also reduces Ron because they take yeah. all his good traits and give them I feel her. like it's very apparent in this movie where they mm-hmm. give a lot of Ron's book lines to Hermione in this movie and just kind of carries on throughout the series. And yeah. we know Rupert Grant can act in series roles. So yeah. he wasn't given the chance here. Kind of like offensive that the people making the movies thought we as the audience, even when we were 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. were so dumb we couldn't understand that the smart girl could also have some things she doesn't know and the goofy friend could also have things he does know. Like, yeah. it's like they couldn't imagine kids watching a movie and understanding, like, a person can have two traits. Yeah. You know? Two whole traits is, is, is possible. Multiple traits I feel like this is, like, the like, era where they wanted, like, really, like, kick-ass girl power kind of, like, characters. And they forgot that, like, and you could be kick-ass while having human flaws. You, they forgot that people have flaws. Yeah. And one of the things that makes Hermione's growth yeah. and, like, acquiring of new skills and learning to overcome her weaknesses so valuable is that, like, she has those weaknesses and yeah. you're like, wow, Hermione doesn't understand this or this is, or she's really bad at sort of getting people to understand where she's coming from in situations yeah. sometimes. Doesn't get social cues, doesn't really care what people think. Yeah. And Has like, to be right no matter what. And like, what if she's wrong? important to make her human because she's the yeah. relatable female character for a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And when you make her perfect, she's not relatable anymore. Exactly. I find it fun that the first time we really see Snape is during this scene. Like, he's in the Great Hall and stuff, but like the first time like we really get reintroduced to Snape, it's not Snape. It's, it's Alan Rickman okay. as Bogart. As Bogart. <laughs> I would love to have seen that in the credits. Alan Rickman as Severus Snape. Also Alan Rickman as Bogart. <laughs> what can't he do? <laughs> Neville's like, you want me to do what now? Oh, and here we have... I like the way he comes out yeah. of the closet. It's kind of very sexy. <laughs> it is. I like really show like the whole kind of Lupin's teaching style and like how kind of mm-hmm. fun it is. I <laughs> like his hair growing up with the spider. I feel like that's what happened if I did that. Yeah. What would your Bogart turn into? It's not your like long, thought out, deep, complex. <laughs> Probably fear. a bee. Just a quick a bee. I have a phobia of bees. I've never been stung by a bee. I think it might be spiders for me. I do not find the giant snake scary. I find this friggin' Bobo doll, scary clown in a box that it turns into horrifying. Clowns are pretty scary. <laughs> Look, I'm like that. Look how sinister that is. That is the scary thing for someone. Yeah. This is more obvious that it's the moon. It's so uh, obvious yeah. that it's the moon. You see where you have them all kind of like in street clothes. It's interesting stylistically. There's a lot of ill-fitting jeans. I mean, this is like this came out in like the early 2000s, so I'm assuming like they kind of adopt similar kind of like styles back then. Like I know in Goblet of Fire, they had like the long hair trend. Mm-hmm. So Dan Rad got to act with like with basically one on one with a lot of like the, the greatest like UK actors of yeah. like the time. Like kind of crazy to think mm-hmm. about. It's true that David Thewlis 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 <laughs> did play Lupin thinking he was gay. I love that he does not play. Like I don't see any 
stereotypes yeah. or mannerisms. He doesn't do any of like the offensive things a lot of actors mm-hmm. do when they're a straight person. Yeah, or straight presumably. I don't know him. Person playing a character that's gay. He just like. In his mind, I'm sure there were things he didn't do specific ways because of something yeah. he thought his character would do for reasons, but he doesn't do anything that... Yeah, it's all very, like, subtle, little subtle. Yeah, I don't see anything that seems offensive. I find it interesting that Moose brings up his, he brings up his friendship with Lily rather than his friendship with James. Because in the book, this book is very much about James and James' friends and not really about Harry's mom. Mm-hmm. And it's more, like, later on, things are more about Lily. But, like, this book kind of, like, it, it, this movie more plays yeah. about James and Lily more as like a couple yeah a tiny little Jenny appearance I think that's like her only appearance in the film yeah they're like Jenny's alive by the way she didn't die Jenny's she's, a character she's 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 not dead that baby there actually in that shot that's actually the director's kid that's he so stuck funny. him in, stuck the kid into it I think that'd be fun to have a director dad and you're just like in mm. a bunch of little films they've separated what sides of the hallway mm. the twins are on in this and I find it very disorienting <laughs> yeah they're always they together don't look like twins when they're not standing next to each other in my mind like I'm like wait is that him is that is it not twin? George is, is it, it not is that Fred not George or is it Fred it's Fred and it's not Fred <laughs> but the styling of the twins is interesting they're both wearing like striped button ups yeah. but one's got the green shades one's got the red shades in classic I feel like it's of, very twin like one always has have, cool tones yeah. one always has warm tones but they also have the stripes on their shirts in the different directions which I think is nice corporate security is known to be pre-lax <laughs> like, time to close the doors we leave I open think, all the time I think this shows more security than Hogwarts actually has yeah this is like I'm like they wish they had a door that closed <laughs> yeah, like this this also has the most iconic like blooper slash deleted scene where it's, what is it Michael Gambon and Alan Rickman put like a heart with noise thing in a Dana Radcliffe sleeping bag mm-hmm. and he asked to be put next to one of the, I guess a girl he had a crush on at the time and like an extra in the scene and then like, they were playing like the fart noise thing and then we have the iconic GIF of Dumbledore yeah. Snape just laughing, laughing. yeah <laughs> yeah which iconic. is great I'm so glad we have that in mm-hmm existing on film somewhere you know yeah. look at snape being like what if we were transparent and informed him about the dangers <laughs> and the things that are relevant to him personally double door like no being vague is the only way to seem smart by knowing things other people don't know has kind of like a power kick he's like i know all these things and you idiots know nothing well here we go gosh i love the way that man opens a door Alan plays snape as less like Outwardly terrible to the students. Like, I'm pretty sure in this chapter, Snape's calling Hermione like a know it all and be just being super. Yeah, I think he is about to call her a know it all. Yeah, but he's the way he says it doesn't seem like as derogatory as and like just as rude as he is in the book. Yeah. Like, he's kind of just very petty and just like. Which is understandable. Terribly. Here we have like the most biggest thing in the movie that irks me is this moment, the book. Snape says this. Ron defends her despite their issues. This Ron's like, yes, point. Like, yeah. how could you say that Why about you your friend? That? I also have to say that I don't necessarily like if I were in Snape's shoes, I wouldn't talk to Hermione like that because that's horrible. But also, of course, Hermione knows the answer. Like, she's already proven herself for two years. She's a smart student. She does the reading. You. When teachers ask questions of their students, there's a part of me that thinks it's a little bit to make sure they, like, did the reading, they know, you know? Yeah. And, like, he already knows Hermione knows. The whole class knows Hermione knows. Like, what about the smart, whatever, Hufflepuff kid in the back row mm-hmm. who doesn't get to answer questions because Hermione knows everything? Like, I feel like, 
I, I can understand why a teacher might get annoyed if one student always answers the questions. And I can see why it would be annoying if you're intentionally not asking that student because you want other people to have the opportunity and they just like interrupt and they're like, this is the answer. Mm-hmm. I know it. And he's like, you don't need to prove that you are smart. Like yeah. give other people but, like, there's like, the opportunity. Like, the, the way McGonagall handles class, class is very like diplomatic and like mm-hmm. she's meant to be a teacher, but Snape just kind of like he picks favorites. He's petty. And in the book, he's definitely tart more. He bullies the students, but I feel mm-hmm. in the movies, Alan Rickman doesn't really play Snape as like a bully to the students. Like he, he comes off as like very mysterious and like kind of cool and kind of like suspicious. Yeah, he's very suspicious, but he's slightly less mm-hmm. abusive. We also did learn that uh, Alan Rickman actually read books. Love that for him. It's nice to know he did his homework. A lot of actors, I think, especially the like older, mm-hmm. more seasoned, like, stage actors and stuff, maybe didn't take it very seriously at the beginning. They're like, oh, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. I'm going to make a bunch of money. It'll be great. Maybe fun. My kids will enjoy watching this. They don't love some of my darker films. And they didn't feel the need to, like, go that deep in backstory. And Alan Rickman was like, I'm reading the books. I'm talking Well, I think he author. didn't want to play kind of just, like, a weird kind of, like... Because all Snape really is in the beginning is like he just seems kind of like a villain. He's a red herring villain, and but so I feel like he had to be encouraged to continue because the author had planned had a yeah. detailed plan for Snape, and so I feel like there were I think it was I don't know if it was in his memoirs or whatever where he he wanted to leave because he mm-hmm. just didn't want to play like a two dimensional like villain character. Yeah, it's a lot of years of your life. Yeah, it, it's, it's a it's a big series. series, and so he's like I don't really want to stick with this. If it's just like this minor like villain teacher, but she's like oh like wait there's gonna be like more and we do know from like documentaries and stuff but she did tell him like the big secret and he not only knew it but Mm -hmm. he acted things intentionally knowing it and would call out directors and tell them like there's things I know that you don't know trust me I'm pretty sure him telling like Chris Columbus and like our directors being like oh like I have to do it this way like oh why trust me trust me (laughs) you can't know this and the fact that he kept that secret what a professional yep I kind of get the whole dreary thing with that weird interaction. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> oh, this is a really good drawing. Threatening, moving. Whenever I see notes. that drawing, I always think about a very Potter musical where they had uh, Draco being like someone that's a really good drawer. And Hermione can't. <laughs> yeah. Hermione can't draw. Yeah. Hermione can't draw. Hermione <laughs> cannot draw. Oh, Actually, this Quidditch. might be the last Quidditch game for like. Is it the rest of the series? I don't think Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix have looks. Oh, wait, no, there's sports and um, Half-Blood Prince, but I forget that exists. <laughs> we, we, we've repressed the memory. Yeah, that movie doesn't exist to me. I've repressed it all. I feel like that we kind of talked about these movies a lot, but we actually do like them. We really do enjoy these films. I think part of the fun is, t- is talking shit about them. <laughs> actually, the first three movies are the ones I probably watch the most. Because they're Christmas movies. Aren't they Christmas right? movies? I feel like this scene in the book, they're all kind of like traumatized. Mm-hmm. Looking at Harry as he's fallen and here it's just kind of played for like, oh, oh Harry fell off his broom. Harry always but gets Quidditch. That's just how this works. I think this is a weird thing for Hermione to be kind of talking about the Quidditch stuff because Hermione notoriously does not like Quidditch and understands sports. And I feel like it's more Ron that talks Quidditch with Harry. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of insert Hermione as kind of like the main friend and Ron as a sidekick, but really Ron is the best friend. Hermione saying no one blames you for the game being yeah, lost but- doesn't necessarily mean no one blames you because she doesn't care that much about the end yeah. result of a sports game. Ron does, so it would mean yeah. more coming from him. But like, why are they in the woods? What happened that made, like, did he see Lupin walking into the woods and follow him? Just, you know, kept going for a casual walk of his teacher through I mean, the like, woods. I love walking in the woods, but I think it's a bit... Mm-hmm. It's cool that they kept this scene, though, because that's where Delaware's buried in, like... Later, 
yeah. movies. I feel like this is when they started the kind of like the twin gag of them like saying each other's lines like one after another and yeah. in synchronization. I still feel like it's a downside in the books that they, they never found out that Lupin was like the one that like co made the map. Yeah. And serious too. It's a good thing Harry's a good person, because generally if people go through a secret passage in a cellar, they might steal things. Yeah, he doesn't steal anything. Honey Dukes is like what my life dreams would be for a candy store. Here's a little Ron and Hermione moment. They don't know what to talk about without Harry. I kind of like the change from Harry and Ron just having a private moment and throwing mud at Draco to Harry throwing snowballs. But the characterization is weird where Hermione's kind of like fine with the violence and Ron's all kind of like anxious about it. Mm -hmm. Because ideally, Ron loves violence. (laughs) Yeah, we miss him. Especially against Malfoy. And Hermione's the one that doesn't even want Harry to be at Hogsmeade because he's breaking the rules wants her to turn wants him to turn in the map yeah and here we have this scene and at the end Hermione's like laughing and so is Harry and Ron's like that's not funny all stressed and like Ron would never be stressed about stuff like that yeah so it's already kind of like making you think that Hermione's like this cool girl yeah stand with breaking the rules stand with shenanigans Hermione's not that girl she loves a fist fight I like to think Ron looked like he was going to throw up in the first three seconds of the scene because he didn't realize it was Harry in the yeah. invisibility club. Yeah. Which like, is the ghost. He's the like, ghost. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. ghost. Oh, God. Wait a minute. Wait. It takes him a minute, you know, which mm-hmm. I believe. See, Hermione would never. I mean, maybe she'd laugh like a little because she'd feel mad that Harry showed up and guilty. Maybe after the fact, yeah. I think she would be kind of like, Harry, what are you doing in Hogsmeade? You're naughty. Probably bad for business to not mm-hmm. have the underage wizards allowed into the pub on the one day every two yeah. months that they're allowed in town. I feel like they wanted this to be like a very private kind of like eavesdroppy thing because in the book, obviously, it's like they're eavesdrop. They're talking about this in the middle of the pub, which we thought we discussed was kind of weird. Stupid. They're talking about the secret thing so that's in like the middle that of the they pub. Amended it by having it be. But the now, now it's being now it makes it makes sense that it's private. But yeah. like it, they can't just have Ron Hermione just be in the pub. Yeah, I like that. He I do like the, down yeah. the choir. You so could have around, but he's this I love the characterization where this is like where a very proud musical Harry comes out where there's that like I'm in a rage this is the baddest I've ever been Harry has like these emotions but it's hard I think to display it in a movie because Harry's very internal with his feelings like obviously we know that Harry was feeling this like intense rage where he wanted to murder someone and we're like oh god this is scary Mm -hmm. but it's not really shown outwardly Mm -hmm. in a movie you have to show stuff instead of just like you can't have Harry monologuing like Hamlet show don't tell they do a lot of like establishing shots and transitional shots Mm -hmm. I think that take up a lot of time where they could have been like you know doing other things because it is nice at the the, so it's not as like clipped as like the first movies are Mm -hmm. but it's also like taking up time where they could be establishing some backstory like i feel like we know time passes between Mm -hmm. scenes that's how the world works so i kind of think like if they want us to know it's becoming winter so as snow in the window behind him Mm -hmm. but still have like an active shot i think in the later movies they do that but here they kind of have the option to kind of like do stuff because it's a smaller book but like we've like we said this book kind of cuts out a lot of like the James Potter backstory with the Marauders. Lupin does this a lot. I'm just realizing he did ridiculous and now he's doing clothes rods. He's like, it's not the live long and prosper Spock, but mm-hmm. like. Here they kind of like, this is like the only part of the Ron Hermione fight we get. 
So we don't, we don't get all Hermione's yeah. flaws with how she handled. Is that a hippogriff sweater she's wearing? I don't know. Well, the sweaters show her personality. I don't know yeah. what personality that is. <laughs> it's, it's cropped. It's a cropped sweater, kind of. It's not too mm-hmm. long. I really didn't have time to show like a fully established fight, but I feel like that fight really did show a lot of growth with Ron and Hermione and Harry by proxy because he yeah. was kind of like involved in it. And they do show like the Harry and Ron fight, but I think establishing mm-hmm. that fight was about like kind of growing pains, but they just don't have time to, for all the nuances. And also yeah. they don't want to show Hermione having flaws and being she a human being. So yeah. Because if they showed the fight, I'm sure they would just show it. Yeah, like Hermione's kind right. of gaslighting Ron about the mm-hmm. seriousness of his pet missing, which mm-hmm. is very upsetting for anyone. We've been gaslighting Snape by pretending he doesn't know what that is. He's like, never seen this in my life. <laughs> he has like a picture of Lupin, like, this is not Mooney. This is not Mooney. It's glamour shot. I feel like this book, from Stan's perspective, it would just be like the year he got gaslit by like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> by Dumbledore, by Lupin. Tefra Snape and the bad time. I mean, honestly, this is the first time Harry's been properly scolded by mm-hmm. an adult in the magical world. Yeah, really? So it's nice to see. <laughs> I mean, Gonggo scolded him a few times. Yeah, I guess. But he's he's also talking to Harry in the right way. Yeah. He's not just saying, Harry, these are the rules. But he's saying, you're disrespecting your parents' memory and you're invalidating yeah. what they put at stake their lives for you by being dumb mm-hmm. with your life. Exactly. It's like he knows James and he knows Lily, so he has an idea of who Harry is, so he knows how best to actually get through to him. I have respect for the Hermione. Like, you know what? I don't need I this. wish she had, they had actually had her, like, kind of, like, yell and, like, be kind of un-Hermione-like for, like, the book. It's a, such a shock because she gets him and she's like, fine, I give up, I'm leaving. Yeah. They just kind of have her kind of be like, fine, and then she just, just like, stomps out. Yeah. It's, I think it would be good to see a Hermione mm-hmm. hissy fit. I mean, it's not really a hissy fit. They don't really have Hermione freak out like she does in the books. Like, in Deathly Hollows, when Ron comes back, she doesn't, like, lose her mind like she does. It's kind of played for gaff laughs. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see Emma Watson lose it, Hermione. Yeah. Well, this probably jump scares me when she goes into the prediction mode. <sighs> you jump. <laughs> see, it gets me every time. I know it's coming. I do like the behind the scenes. But when Tom and Emma were practicing this, he told her to like fake hit him to like practice the blocking and she hit him for real, like really hard. <laughs> I love she not only punches him in the nose, but his head goes back and hits a rock. I wonder if there are any consequences for physical, like, muggle-style violence at Hogwarts. Because I can't curse people, don't Mm -hmm. use spells against other students. But, like, just punching someone in the face. Yeah, I'm assuming we have to do that, because I'm I'm assuming it's still a school. There's still probably fights. When Cavron and Hermione are having this, like, emotional moment, and then Harry's Harry, like, include me! (laughs) Because, like, Hermione and Ron kind of did work on Buckbeak's appeal. Yeah. They did stuff. Yeah. And Harry's just like, yep, very so sad for Hagrid. I think Ron should probably have let his rat go in this moment. At least they didn't have a moment where his leg gets broken here. Mm-hmm. It's just he got a really bad dog bite. Because mm-hmm. that's still in the book. Like, it's not even, like, visual. And I still kind of, like... Yeah, like, we're years and a half. Also, kind of like that it makes sense here where they were kind of, like... <laughs> not pausing to think about getting help like in the book from Hermione. So let's go get, let's go to the teacher and Harry's like, no, let's ignore that and just go into the tunnel and here they're kind of like they don't have time to think about anything. They're just kinda of like thrown around by the tree. Yeah, it happens so quickly it's kinda of like the slow motion <laughs> moment yeah. of Harry realizing Hermione correct. Do we really think Hermione could literally lift Harry up by by his shirt? No in the air. No I don't that's not how physics works. 
No cotton shirt is that strong. Exactly. Also, her arms can't possibly be yeah. that strong. Like, not only is she smarter than everyone and gets all the good Apparently lines, she's also, also a super, she's superhuman the strength. <laughs> Here's Sirius being impatient. Sirius being so annoying. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's kill him. They're like, cool. Harry? Like, yeah, so Gary Oldman did an interview, I think, on a podcast semi-recently, and he talked about how he doesn't really like his acting in Harry Potter. He finds it kind of mediocre. Which I think he did say that he didn't read the books. He just read scripts. So like he didn't know what was coming for his character. And he said if he had like being able to do it again, he might have played Sirius a bit differently. Because mm-hmm. I think Sirius in Prisoner of Azkaban is a lot different than Sirius in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. And so it was, he's had a shower. In order of the Phoenix. <laughs> but it's interesting. It's interesting to like see him reflect back on it. But it is really cool to see like these like amazing actors and all like these movies all together. Like I remember in the 20th anniversary special, I think mean, Daniel Radcliffe was very excited that Gary Oldman was coming. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Be cool, guys. Be cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really also love like the varying degrees to which how all the like older actors who are approached established approached it. Yeah, because like we know Alan Rick read the books and had secret conversations with the author Mm -hmm. and like knew a lot of stuff and had opinions about how many buttons Snape should have on his clothes and like and then there's other actors who are like oh it's a kids film it's Mm -hmm. kooky I'm gonna make a chunk of money it'll be fun it'll be a fun romp and they just sort of like act with what's given to them and they don't feel the Mm -hmm. need to like or you have people like uh like uh Jason Isaacs who's just like doing things and he's like and then like what are you doing like oh I'm kicking Dobby Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being bad guy. <laughs> He's just having a good time. Yeah. He's like, is this a fantasy film? Are there hobbits? <laughs> Dragons? Oh, Snape running out. Who's that handsome man? It's a particular level of petty. <laughs> to be like, I'll watch him do it. I heard it's traumatizing, but I'll make, I'll take the risk. That was a, a bit, I think that's a bit more than it was in the book. Like, they had three, the three attacked him in the book, mm-hmm. but Harry just, like, threw Snape across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Ron is so Ron funny. Is evil the whole time. That would be so funny. Miss Weasley didn't actually have that last son. He just showed up one day and she's like, oh, I forgot about another one. <laughs> What's one more? Yeah, sure. I think it's really well done and super gross. The rat-like features mm-hmm. they leave on Peter mm-hmm. Pettigrew. I feel like they make it look a bit more cartoony and like kid villainish because I feel like the way he's described in the book, he's kind of gross looking. I think he's gross looking here. Yeah. But I feel like it's still kind of like... The nails, the like... Yeah, the cartoonish, like, rat-like features, but I feel like he'd look kind of creepy in real life. <laughs> the audacity to be like, he looks so much like your dad that I got killed. <laughs> also, I find, like, this haircut is the worst thing in the world. With long hair, but bald on top. Yeah. I feel like the first time I saw this, when he says, like, they zoom in on the castle, and he's like, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I... And I thought they were going to give us a flashback sequence. Yeah. And that I was like, have been nice. Flashback sequence? Marauders? Yeah. Movie has very little Marauders content. Hermione, why did you bring attention to it? Well, it's not like he needs to consciously be aware that the moon's yeah, there to turn. I guess. She's just like, oh shit, bad <laughs> news, guys. It's that time of month, Lulu. What do you think of their interpretation of how the werewolf looks? Because I am always imagine it being more wolfy. I imagine it being fluffier. Yeah. <laughs> like, they make it kind of, like, alien-y. I agree. Specifically the aliens in the Scooby-Doo movie, Scooby-Doo and the mm-hmm. Alien Invaders. Because yeah. there's, like, a dog alien in that, and that's yeah exactly what yeah. it looks like. The attempt of Sirius to talk Lupin out yeah. of a biological thing that he, like... yeah. He should know better. 
I don't love the way they show yeah. Lupin's transition to a werewolf. I don't love the legs. Yeah. Wait, wait. I think generally werewolves are seen as just like wolves. So mm-hmm. I think that's always what I imagine it, like a werewolf as. And they and could then, do it a little bit scrawny or if they wanted yeah. to look sickly because Lupin is, is a sickly Maybe guy. Maybe they didn't want to have the confusion as like dog, like serious compared yeah. to like werewolf Lupin so that they had to look pretty different. I was like they just abandoned Snape like in like the house they didn't bring him out and he just kind of stumbles his way out there. It's like you guys are in big trouble. Oh wait. Look at him actually putting himself between these incredibly pretentious children he dislikes. <laughs> like he doesn't want to be a teacher but he's not going to let them get eaten by a werewolf. That's I feel like that's an Alan Rickman thing protecting the kids. I don't think real Snape would. I think real Snape would. Yes. It's his job. Like Dumbledore would be so mad if he let Harry Potter get turned into a werewolf. <laughs> I wonder how traumatizing it was for Snape to see the werewolf, having been through that almost werewolf oh, yeah. experience in his youth. <laughs> He's like, they've done it. They did it. They succeeded. It took them, whatever, 10 more years, 13 more years, but here they've done it. Sirius's prank comes back full circle. I really do like the addition of like things kind of getting frost when the Dementors come. I think it's interesting. It's visually yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, because they're so dark and when they freeze, like yeah. it gets lighter, it, it adds to the contrast of yeah. the visual effects. Mm-hmm. This is quite pretty. Is mm-hmm. a scene the swirling of the Dementors above yeah. with Harry and Sirius sort of centered below? Yeah. See, lines like him knowing how many turns to go back a certain amount of mm-hmm. time makes me think he's totally using time turners to figure out what's going on that day and feel smart. Ron can't relax with can't time walk. Ron is almost like unconscious for all of this, and then they're just like actually excluding him, and he's just like, "What?" I mean, yeah, not fair. I mean, yeah, idea. can't walk. I do like how it kind of shows like everything going back and forth, and there's like this random like guy being like mummified in like the one corner. Gosh, we can't be seen. If only we had, I don't know, an invisibility. Yeah, they really club. don't use the invisibility club, which I get. It's kind of like a hindrance when you want to like see things. I just wish they hadn't put her in this ridiculous yeah. sweater. I always find that like they said that this is supposed to show their personalities, and I get like Harry's kind of an active wear and stuff. I feel like Hermione is someone that I feel like she kind of at first isn't really comfortable with her femininity, so she kind of kind of tries to kind of like hide it, and she's just more into. Mm-hmm. She wants to learn you can be a girl who loves yeah. to get dressed up and who is but still be seen for her mind. Because I know she finds like lavender and purple already kind of frivolous, and so I feel like she has like her kind of like internalized misogyny where she doesn't want to be like outwardly feminine, but she kind of has like. <laughs> deals with it as like God of the Fire yeah. goes on where she kind of has like her moment of femininity her and being seen as like a girl mm-hmm. but I feel like in the earlier things I feel like she just would wear what is comfortable she's not really into like fashion or just like what's yeah. trending she just like mm-hmm. would want to be presentable because she's like raised as like upper middle class so she wants to like you know look presentable but like she's not gonna be fussing about how things look on her it's just more if it's like it looks like presentable no stains mm, yeah. and it's and it's comfortable cardigan i also wonder if it was emma watson's influence because i know emma watson back like when this was out she was getting really into like fashion stuff and she's doing a lot of, like modeling and stuff mm. and we know she is definitely someone that's into like fashion and everything so i wonder if that was mm. like her influence because we see that the, the director did give the kids a lot of like influence into yeah. their characters and like what their characters like were wearing and stuff so i will say it's very out of the era Mm-hmm. Like it's very 2007 yes. of her to be wearing a I mean, pink this is, t-shirt this is and a pink I think this came out in 2004. Okay, well, very of that time yeah. to be doing that 
that lazy yeah, color definitely. combination and like oh yeah that jean fit it's very of that i time. probably definitely wore something very similar in the fourth grade to <laughs> jumble explaining what we couldn't possibly have been you haggard you've seen you the whole time everyone is just gaslighting everyone in this movie. i feel like i said gaslight yeah. like 10 times harry potter and the prisoner of gaslighting take a shot every time i say gaslight <laughs> or gaslighting i feel like, kind of like how daniel radcliffe kind of plays like when he talks about his dad you can see the excitement on his face <laughs> Or, like, with Harry, a lot of it's internal thinking. Like, he's not really voicing it because he's not really... Like he's he doesn't really want to voice that vulnerability. But here uh-huh. you kind of like see how excited Harry is being like, my dad did this. Mm-hmm. It was my mother. I get they had to put this in because they don't have them just being pulled up in Hagrid's hut. Yeah. Like, they're in the book and Harry's running away. Mm-hmm. So they need some kind of, like, stakes because it's, like, a highly suspenseful moment. Kind of yeah. adding some drama to this already kind of, like, chaotic movie. But, like, mm-hmm. like it's still, like, Hermione's like, and the thing Hermione dumb. does there where she makes in the moment she's yeah. like oh we need a distraction I'll make a wolf noise yeah. oh wait there's consequences it's such yeah. a Harry thing yeah, to do yeah exactly like that's core of who Harry is and how he does things he should have been the one to do that Hermione and the oh no yeah. I didn't think that the Hermione thing Hermione would have us. thought that through in the book yeah and the iconic moment of this whole movie yeah that's it movies an excuse for Harry to do his yeah. Patronus he learned a fourth spell <laughs> he's killing it he's doing his thing four yeah. spells in only three years here's like the awkward thing you didn't like when we were talking about this episode where like they have like very limited time here and he has this time to like have this very emotional talk with Harry and we're, they're like there's no time yeah the, the urgency is yeah it's kind of off Imagine looking up to Gary Oldman the way Dan Radcliffe looks up to Gary Oldman in this moment. He's Amazing. only done a few scenes with this man and he's like yeah. holding his face yeah. and like... He's just... Well, we knew Dan Rad was a big fan of Gary Oldman. Exactly. So he's very excited to be doing this. So I'm sure yeah. it just made his like life. life yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's still kind of like a kid's movie. So they had to have those like little cheesy kind of like whimsy moments. I don't think it's still really the next one where things kind of are a bit more serious and stuff and they're not as many like kind of like cheesy whimsy moments yeah i also love what lupin's done with defense against the dark arts classroom i love yeah. what it goes through with the different teachers from Gilmore yeah especially like a stark like, comparison from yeah. lockhart to, to lupin. lupin like it's very yeah. different i also think it is hands down the best classroom and no wonder mm-hmm. snape wants that classroom yeah that job. he just wants that classroom it's so cool you have like a balcony office well, I don't get it because, yeah, I feel like teaching in a dungeon, which is basically a basement, kind of sucks. I mean, that's good for Snape's delicate skin, the sun, <laughs> the burns, you know. He's a scut. He's a sunscreen guy. He's, he knows. I do feel like this really, they really did nail, like, the Harry Lupin relationship that kind of bloomed in this book. Yeah. In this movie, like, it definitely feels very organic. I'm not, like, a regular teacher. I'm a cool teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they have this part where Harry gets uh, the firebolt uh, just kind of ticked in at the end at the of the end movie. With a hippogriff feather that makes it yeah. obvious it's from Sirius. I hate that. Yeah. I don't like this. It's kind of weird. The firebolt is this whole thing, but they it's kind of thing. like didn't do the big fight thing yeah. with Hermione in this. I guess they just need Harry to have a broom later in later films. So they're just like, oh yeah, and you got yes. a firebolt. Because they knew I think it was important to the fans that Sirius got Harry the broom, especially later yeah. on when we lose Sirius. But uh, mm-hmm. I think they could have totally taken out a few seconds of transition. Like yeah. some of the, we saw a lot of the Whomping Willow in different seasons. Yeah. The Whomping Willow was like an added character. We saw more Whomping Willow <laughs> than a lot of things that were important. Yeah. So I think they could have fit in just a mm-hmm. scene where like Harry gets the broom. He's like, this is weird. And Hermione's like, it's probably dangerous. And 
of like, ugh, Hermione, yeah. you know? Yeah, but we get Harry riding the broomstick and it's the fastest broom ever. And then it ends on a freeze the frame. The most disgusting, <laughs> cheesy, like they zoom up and he's like. It's like, 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 like a little scary. 80s, 90s sitcom or just like. It's full cheese. <laughs> it's not, it, it does a disservice to the film to end yeah. it on that like slightly blurry freeze frame. Yeah. frame. Yeah, because like, I mean, the second one also ends kind of weirdly where it's just them clapping for Hagrid at the end. Like, they don't have like a proper ending. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, the, it ends. But the good the thing is, is the credits are really cool. Because I feel like the these first the two films credits. just had just blank credits, like black yeah. screen, white text. Mm-hmm. But these, like, they have like themed credits, which does stick with the films it's going beautiful. on. It's beautiful. It's the Marauder's Map. It's got the yeah. little footprints, and then it's got the names in like yeah. sort of like a, a nice clip. They're all very stylized. I like that that kind of carries on throughout the films. Because I think in Goblet of Fire, it has like the little flames, like parchment from the Goblet of Fire come out for it. So like, it's nice that they continued that. Yeah. So I think for me, like the the things that really stick with this movie are the sort of taking away of a lot of Ron's lines and giving them to Hermione to sort yeah. of make her seem this smarter. Is kind of the beginning of super Hermione, giving her all the moments to shine that mm-hmm. should be spread across both of Harry's friends, and they just all go to Hermione mm-hmm. in this, which I don't like. Mm-hmm. What I do like is Lupin. I think he's wonderful. I think he does it so David well. David Lewis, amazing. We love him. We'll even learn to say his name properly one Yeah, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but who knows? We'll Google it later. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie, like, I still think I I probably have nostalgic things about it because, like, obviously I saw this in theaters and I was a kid too, so I was just excited to see, like, oh, I read this book and I, can, I get to see it on screen. Yeah. But I can see, like, a lot of people that really like Prisoner of Azkaban mm-hmm. and were older when this came out being really hyped to see, like, Marauder's stuff come out. And, and then a little it, let it, down. It's, it's, yeah, let down that it doesn't really go into that really. Yeah, you get very little about how important mm-hmm. you don't really go into like the marauders map the makers of the map yeah. and their friendship you're just like yeah. okay lupin kind of knows harry's parents and sirius knew harry's yeah. parents too and that's it it's you not really out. touched upon and I, I feel like that's a big part of why people like prisoner of azkaban because people really like the marauders yeah. as like a subset of harry potter and that's disappointing but i feel like it's cool. I feel like some of the, like the style choices, like it feels a bit jarring going. The from, transition that's like yeah. light in the middle slightly brightens yeah. <laughs> out to make the screen visible, and the reverse of like it gets darker up into yeah. a tiny point of light and then darkens is very PowerPoint presentation. To me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit dated, but and I also feel like. Obviously, I miss the robes. I feel like they should wear their robes more often. I don't really like mm-hmm. the switch to, like, street muggle yeah. clothes. I'm okay with the customizing your robes and wearing them yeah. in a slightly altered way that expresses how uptight or casual or roof-following your character yeah, you are, is. Yeah. I don't like so many jeans and oversized jumpers. Obviously, like, this follows the book mostly. It's just very... It's very film artsy so I could still see people that are very much like loyal to the book being like this isn't like a good movie because like I feel like some people that just don't aren't into like film like artsy films are going to be like this is like pointless or whatever mm-hmm. they don't care about how really how it looks yeah and the first two were very book like heavy and they were just very because the kids are so young they are very much like shooting faces Faces. and it's just very much like it cuts a lot but this Mm -hmm. is like more like things like lean into it yeah we get a lot of transit shots that show us a lot of castle yeah and i like those i like seeing more of the castle i think Mm -hmm. it's good we could have had a few less to make more space for important things like the proper context of harry getting the broom but overall i do like seeing the castle and i like Mm -hmm. seeing the transition of seasons it could have been more in the back and not like a primary shot but I think yeah. it's good that they did that. And I love all the scenes in the bridge, the scenes in the woods, the things, scenes in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. What would you rate this out of five? Mm-hmm. 
I feel like I lean towards a three. Like it's I good. Think three, three. I, I like it. This is probably one of the ones I watch more than the other ones. But mm-hmm. like, it, and it's still good because I watched a lot. Like it a lot. There's like, but there's like issues I have with it that yeah. I, don't, I don't love it as much as the first two. Yeah, I agree. I but think it has good things that carry yeah. on throughout the series. It's so hard because it feels like you're low. I like rating out of ten. Why did we ever yeah. choose five? I don't know. Because I'm like, it's a solid seven out of ten. I think that's about, about three. Like you know, yeah. it's like it has room for improvement, but it's it's still solid. Yeah, no one's because I feel like. Complain. Lane, but it's not getting pinned up on the bridge. I feel like we're going to be going lower stars as the movies go on because we're going to have a lot more issues with things as they go on. Yeah. Like renting Half-Blood Prince like negative. It's two <laughs> stars out of 224 <laughs> yeah. stars. But uh, thanks for watching this episode of Potter Revisited and we'll be back jumping into Gobble the Fire next on our next episode. So come back and listen to that soon. And if you have any questions, comments, or any opinions you want to share about the Prisoner of Azkaban movie, yeah. leave them on Spotify or on our social media at Pottery Visited or email us at Pottery Visited Podcast at gmail.com. And we will be back soon. Mm-hmm.